Welcome to the GT Reboot. This week, the show is all about Hearthstone. First, Hearthstone Esports leads Che Cho and Matt Wibble join me to talk about how they made the Hearthstone Championship Tour into an international event. After that, it's on to Kobolds and Catacombs. Art director Ben Thompson and lead missions designer Dave Kozak tell us about expanding the world of Hearthstone and creating its most recent single-player mode, Dungeon Run. Let's boot up! I am here with Che Cho, the Hearthstone Esports franchise lead. Hi, Che. Hello. As well as Matt Wibble, Hearthstone Esports manager. Hi, Matt. How's it going? Going great. So, uh, you guys are calling in the midst of a Hearthstone tournament that's happening, a world tour, world championship tour, and I'm sure you're all very, very busy uh, handling everything going on there, so I just wanted to say I appreciate your time. Uh, I've seen some of the stream, and things are looking great over there. How has the experience been in general so far? Uh, I, I think, you know, from a, on, on the esports side, um, a lot of planning and, and sort of uh, passion went into this project. Uh, it's our first world championship away from the, the comforts of BlizzCon. So, you know, I think, uh, we, I think we approached it in the same way in that we, we knew that the world championship for to, to kind of uh, – you know, cap off a year of uh, incredible Hearthstone esports had to be epic, and so um, you know, so a lot of thought went into the, into the event. It's, it's going great. Uh, I think most magical about this place in Amsterdam is the venue that we chose. So um, super happy so far with how it's turned out on the event scale, and I think even more important, uh, you know, we've had two incredible days of really, really good matches and, and stories um, just with our stacked field of. Uh, amazing players here. So um, tomorrow we go into a day of uh, really kind of uh, nail-biting elimination, and then Sunday is Championship Sunday. Excellent. Yeah, I uh, am looking forward to that. The uh, elimination is always when things get really exciting, uh, watching uh, all these folks match up and uh, watching them drop off one by one. It's the best part of any uh, tournament or tour. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it, and uh, considering uh, being away, as you said, from the comforts of BlizzCon, uh, you guys are looking pretty out there. I've seen the stream, and it all looks like it's going smoothly. And uh, it's some quality stuff, so uh, you, you guys look great in case uh, there was any concern from being away from the comforts of BlizzCon. The, the tour Thank looks you. fantastic yeah. so far. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of credit there to just uh, to Chase team and everyone uh, that's been working on this event. Uh, you know, this is our fourth sort of pinnacle event for the for the Hearthstone year, um, and we you know, we went to the Bahamas in the winter. Uh, we went to the Bahamas, and then we went to Shanghai and Los Angeles, and now here in Amsterdam. And each one of those events, we really pushed ourselves to try a lot of new stuff um, and to get better really, really rapidly. Uh, it, it's been great to kind of see um, this event because this event, I think, is kind of putting all the things that we like most about each of those separate events together for the first time. Um, so uh, on the ground here, it feels, uh, obviously the, the centerpiece is the esports action, which has been, like Chase said, really fun and amazing. Uh, but it also just feels like a festival. Um, you can play in side events, you can meet developers, you can talk to influencers, you can meet the, you know, you can meet the casters, you can do all of these different things. Um, 
and it's just a, it's been a great vibe. I got out I got out a little bit today in between some uh, when I had a little free window and got to just kind of meet some fans and hang out for a little bit. And it 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 uh it does feel like it feels like Hearthstone. <laughs> it feels like being in the tavern. It's yeah. I mean, awesome. I think one thing we try to approach, um, you know, our esports events for Hearthstone uh, has been to uh, really to kind of um, adopt sort of the the Hearthstone like franchise approach, which is, you know, um, this this tournament is really just one massive fireside gathering, and it's it's a summit of like-minded Hearthstone fans who want to get together and watch the highest level of play possible, but also just geek out their friends on Hearthstone and meet new friends. So, um, you know, like to Matt's point, like what, you know, one of the things we're doing to give it that festival atmosphere is uh, obviously we have with the main hall, you can you can watch tons of Hearthstone there, and it's all set up like a you know, tavern seating, and it's all very social. And then we have a whole separate hall, which we're calling the tavern, and it's, you know, it's got uh, rows and rows of tables for people to play uh, sort of Swiss tournaments that we're setting up for the audience. Um, again, to give our uh, attendees a, a taste of the competitive life and um, you know, who knows, some of them might actually want to actually compete, you know, after being sort of inspired this weekend. So, um, again, it's, it's all sort of to create uh, something bigger than just, you know, the um, sort of the expectation of, oh, it's an eSport, I'm going to come and bang some Thunder Six around and just watch things. You know, it's like you're, you're going to come and you're going to interact and you're going to get, you know, sort of pulled into the, the world of Hearthstone. That's really that sounds really exciting. Uh, we gotta get some of that out in New York. Some of the uh, the warmth and camaraderie of fireside gatherings, or the Hearthstone tour style of fireside gatherings. Yeah, that sounds I would really cool. Love to do something in New York, um, right? Right in the city, like mm -hmm. good. There's a following where we're all recluse and we're all huddled in our uh, homes and our apartments, but we'll we'll certainly come flocking uh, if Hearthstone makes its way out here. But cool. let's. Uh, I want to backtrack a little bit. I want to get back to some more of the tour, but I just want to talk. Uh, get an inter. Uh, excuse me, an introduction for both Matt and Che. Uh, what you guys were doing. Uh, I'm of course a little familiar with what you guys have done before and how you guys have come to Hearthstone and uh, Blizzard and Team 5. And I wanted to get the listeners uh, in on your story leading up to becoming a Hearthstone uh, representative and becoming a representative of the eSports division of Hearthstone. Uh, so let's, I guess, start with Che and then Matt. Uh, how did you guys come to become part of the Hearthstone family at Blizzard? Uh, sure. Um, so I am... Uh... I'm old, <laughs> so I, I've been around the industry for a while. Um, sure. I started, so I, I started in the games press um, world, and I, that was 1998 or so. So between 98 and 2006, uh, early 2006, I was a full-time game journalist uh, working out of the Bay Area. And um, you know, around 2006, decided to make the jump to game development, um, you know, not – not as an engineer, but I um, went to the Forza franchise over at um, Xbox to at Microsoft uh, and took a community manager position. Um, learned a ton there about you know the, the ins and outs of community management as as community manager, which has really helped sort of shape a lot of my thinking even now uh, around uh, game franchises and, and especially esports. Um, after four years at uh, Turn Ten, um, the studio that does Forza, I transitioned uh, internally over to 343 Industries and managed um, the Halo 
community, and, and then uh, a couple of years later, um, sort of revived revived their uh, esports program. So uh, did a bunch of um, esports uh, stuff between 2013 and 2016, basically, until um, I came over the blizzard at the end of 16. Um, and sort of what drew me to Hearthstone esports and Blizzard uh, is mostly, I mean, I think on Halo, I got the taste of esports um, and kind of fell in love with it uh, really as an extension of sort of community activation. And I just thought esports, um, competitive gaming in general, was just this sort of really awesome, compelling, entertaining way to, to sort of spend the cast of time. And while I was running that program, I just, Somebody on the team introduced me to Hearthstone. They were like, hey, you might like this game. And I'm like, well, I never played WoW. Why would I like it? And then I played it, and I was like, ooh, this game might be good. Uh, and then, yeah. um, and then like, a year later, I, basically I was playing it all the time. And I remember, you know, being at um, Halo tournaments and just playing Hearthstone in the background. Uh, and so, like, <laughs> eventually I was like, okay, you know what? Like, I really love esports, but and I really love Hearthstone. Um, and... Uh, at the time, I knew um, sort of through just random connections, I, I knew Nate Nanzer, who is commissioner on Overwatch League. Uh, him and I connected at some point at E3, and he was just like, yeah, you know, I'm going to connect you with Kim Fans, my manager. Like, sh you know, she's looking for someone to do Hearthstone, and that sort of was like, oh, okay, so that's a dream job, right? Like, so uh, long story short, I, I got to Blizzard, uh, BlizzCon of 16, which happened to also be the World Championship of that, you know, that year. Um, so uh, I, I saw Pavel getting crowned. Like, you know, that, that was that was an amazing, like, sort of first week at work, which was like <laughs> watching the World Championship and also opening week. So, yeah, that was – that's why my story. That's a great – yeah, that sounds like the right path. You know, you're you're <laughs> at a tournament at the uh, – the, penultimate moment of uh, yeah. a tour of a game and you're sitting on your phone playing some Hearthstone. That might be a tell. That sounds pretty funny. <laughs> uh, Matt, real quick, your story. Right. Uh, I uh, I had more of a traditional business background uh, and then I, I came to uh, uh, Blizzard when I was actually still in, I was in graduate school uh, working, uh, working on a, group, uh, a law degree and a business degree um, and I uh, I uh, came to I, I came and started working on uh, World of Warcraft and on uh, on this little game called Hearthstone that was in development, uh, and and mostly on the production and business side, uh, and uh, I sort of just never left. Uh, and uh, one of the things that as Hearthstone went from internal alpha, you know, went from announced internal alpha to uh, being playable. Uh, in the pub, in the public, uh, people just started self-organizing tournaments at this incredible rate. Uh, and as that happened, uh, that was something we wanted to kind of, uh, uh, you know, honor the commitment that we'd seen in our community and the passion that we'd seen. So we we started uh, running esports events. It started out pretty small and pretty scrappy, but every step along the way, we've tried to do cool stuff and. Uh, uh, more and more people want to watch it and want to participate and be part of it. So uh, uh, it's been a big part of uh, the work that I do um, for the last three or four years. Well, man, I mean, even even early on, like um, you know, you, you told me that like when when Hearthstone was 
also, you know, the really early mm-hmm. days. Like, you guys were pleasantly surprised that just organically, like, people watched it on Twitch a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, yeah. Like, really, like, watchable game. Yeah, it was a totally different thing for, yeah. I mean, first Twitch was, I mean, it, you know, it seems like a long time ago almost now, but Twitch was in a very different spot. Yeah, that's true. Uh, they, it was just a very different game than anything that people were really watching on Twitch in, in significant numbers. So yeah, that was also an enormous part of it. Um, so been around since early days, designing, you know, designing programs, uh, designing HTT, helping helping get that stood up, helping get the team uh, stood up. Uh, was really excited when uh, we were able to bring Shay on board uh, to lead that team. Uh, so yeah. That's what brings you here, and I think the, I will definitely say I share a, uh, a fanatic obsession with Hearthstone with Che. I've played a preposterous number of games uh, and continue to to this day. Yeah, that, uh, that is top top hundred legend. Sometimes <laughs> we'll get there. We'll all get there at some point. Well, so you hit on uh, sort of one of my questions here. Uh, Hearthstone has had uh, its hand in uh, watchable content, uh, say eSports or actually just uh, streamers in general, since it was in beta. Uh, and like you guys said, it is a very watchable game uh, because everything's displayed well and uh, the understanding of the rules and of the meta is uh, communicated very well just from watching the game. So uh, the actual climb to this point having this hearthstone championship tour uh we've had uh tours before but it seems like there's a bit more uh pull from uh i'd say blizzard or maybe just uh i'm seeing more of it um in my feed or uh in some way uh it's come up more uh, in in its resonance uh, than I've seen before. Uh, what did it take uh, to get to this point uh, for Hearthstone uh, as an esport and as a watchable game and something that people are now crowding around and getting uh, viewers uh, to be excited about? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think it, it, it took a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. I tell you, to be honest, uh, um, uh, and. I think because it's such a different game than a lot of the esports, uh, we had to make. I think we had to make a lot of our own rules. Uh, there's lots of things that we that we learned uh, that might work for another esports that we had to sort of build for ourselves from the ground up, uh, which has, has been very different. And then uh, we all, we also really try to focus on quality um, in the same way, similar to how Blizzard approaches making games. Uh, so. Every time we host an event, we want it to be better than the last one. Every time we put on a, a broadcast, we want it to look better and feel better and be more entertaining, have better stories come out of it, be have better explanations of the of the plays. Um, and so we're we're really trying to just continually improve every time. I think we have a lot planned for this year, um, whether it's a lot more support for teams in Hearthstone uh, or it's the Hearthstone Master System, which creates a which is going to create basically a whole new ecosystem for our for our top players to be rewarded for um, for con- for consistent uh, uh, success in the game. Uh, you know, each each step each 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 year certainly we're trying. We go back to the drawing board. What you know, what worked, what didn't. Um, what do we want to add? And to be honest, we have pretty ambitious goals for a lot of those things. Uh, for a couple of years, we were uh, year over year adding three times as much content um, each year, uh, which is, uh, 
just to give you a sense of just how quickly we were ramping up and how much we wanted to invest in this is because of how excited we are about our Sony sports. Okay, great. So like looking at some of the uh, things that you guys have been trying, uh, you said that you've tried uh, some things and you've had some ambitious ideas for uh, this as an eSport. Uh, you said just this year also, uh, this tour, you're now trying some new things. Uh, could I ask what some of those new things are that you're trying uh, that you're referencing? Um, well, I mean, I think like to, to really, to talk about 2018, we have to kind of look at 2017, which is the year I kind of cut my teeth on at Blizzard. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, to, to <laughs> I mean, Matt was joking when he said blood, sweat, and tears, but I mean, it was literally, you know, maybe maybe not as much blood, but definitely blood. <laughs> 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 when you sweat, yeah. when you tears. Yeah, exactly. Was, <laughs> you know, I think it was a very ambitious year for Hearthstone Esports. Uh, we knew that we wanted to rapidly kind of evolve the esport and kind of level it up, uh, you know, in short order. And so, um, you know, in 2017, we we took on you know grand experiments like, hey, uh, let's you know previous to this, you know, besides BlizzCon, like it was uh, Hearthstone broadcasts and, and, and tournaments were, were mostly studio affairs. Like it was the, we we went into a studio. It was very like um, sort of uh, it was it was a ready-made environment to do a broadcast, but um, we didn't have the chaos of a, a live event and a consumer-facing one. Um, but we said, hey, you know what, like let's let's take the show on the road and let's invite people to come watch. Like, let's, let's create an experience for the audience. And, you know, uh, and, and so in those, you know, very early days, you know, which was like November 16, it was like, okay, well, if we do that, then these events have to feel like, you know, mini festivals or awesome fireside gatherings or whatever. And so there was that, there was that challenge. And also, you know, we just didn't know what we didn't know about taking you know, hundred plus people cruise on the uh, on the road to do shows, and so there was that, uh, and so that was obviously very rewarding, uh, but also extremely challenging, and just uh, and and I think um, we learned a ton of stuff that uh, you know probably money couldn't even pay for. So that was it was invaluable. Uh, we also um, uh, we also knew that we wanted to really upgrade the uh, the broadcast quality of of our tournaments. And so, um, and so Matt and Team Five, the development team at uh, Blizzard for Hearthstone, they, um, you know, they were like, well, if we, if we really want to, like, who are the who are the best people to to uh, to tell the story of players who are really good at card games? Well, you know, they they went straight to the source and got the executive producers who worked on uh, the World Series of Poker, and so it was like, you know, it's just like it's just. Spare no expense. Let's just go. Just go do the thing that we have to go do to upgrade the thing that we want to upgrade. And so, um, and so that that experiment was was super interesting. We we learned a ton from our partners at Forum Productions about you know what what they do and what the best practices are. And you know, so um, so we learned a lot about broadcast and and storytelling. And um, but you know, we also spent a lot of time in 2017 uh, just listening to the community. I think. Um, you know, that's, that's one thing that I think the Blizzard fans and, and especially Hearthstone players are, are really good about, which is sort of vocalizing, um, you know, their, their love for the game, but as well as their, you know, sort of uh, feedback on what could be better. And, and so, um, so we, we did an intentional kind of listening tour to a lot of our top players. As well as, you know, on the back end, we pulled um, a lot of data on how our players are moving through the system and, and um, qualifying for playoffs. 
and and we you know we we basically came out with um, some some takeaways that were that really informed how we how we thought about what we needed to do for 2018, and so you know those those things basically turned into things like you know the challenges system or or the master system or you know better pricing, et cetera, and also tour stops. So um, so yeah, 2017 was inc incredibly uh, important year, I would say, just from a um, just from a growth standpoint for Hearthstone Esports. Yeah. Yeah, I think 20, 2018 is much more about, uh, uh, I think we're, we learned a lot really quickly, live event management, like, like sort of premier broadcast quality, uh, flying people around the world, you know, aligning with the expansion calendar, all these huge, huge, huge things that we sort of, without knowing exactly what we were getting into, signed, signed ourselves up for. Uh, we've learned a ton this year, and this year we're, I think we're really able to polish that um, with things like the Masters program um, and, and other, other tweaks that we want to refine. That's fascinating. You know, talking about the uh, World Series Poker Directors, I never would have expected that, but that sounds like uh, the perfect thing uh, to apply to this. And now thinking back on some of the streams, I've seen some of those, like some of those close-ups and some of the ways uh, you broadcast it that that uh, comes through now, now that I know that, obviously. That's fascinating. I would love to talk for like another hour about that specifically, but uh, we don't, unfor we unfortunately don't have that. I'd love to throw one really quick question. Uh, just... In general, your feelings on this tour specifically and its more worldly expedition. Uh, this tour is, like you guys said, taking you to Amsterdam and to the Bahamas and uh, back to the U.S. And uh, it must be really fascinating. Was it like uh, experiencing uh, this fireside gathering of the world uh, for you guys and uh, meeting players from the uh, from all over the world and uh, meeting high level players from all over the world? Uh, how has that experience been for uh, each of you guys? Yeah. First of all, it's just been, it's, it's humbling and it's really exciting. Every time we do a live event, uh, I think we both walk away just super excited and energized in, in this huge way. Um, and it's really cool to just see, see those fans. I think for us, uh, especially for Hearthstone, it's, it's been really important to have um, events in different places because our, our you know, we have fans all over the world uh, and we have, you know, we're, we're not an esport where all the talent is concentrated in a specific region or country. We have great players, you know, in a, on every continent and in dozens of dozens of countries. So um, getting to go to some of those places um, has been, been great. And fans are super excited by it. And the pros are excited about it too. Like for instance, Tice uh, was here today. Uh, one of, you know, one of the best players to ever play the game. Um, not competing, but it's in his, you know, it's in his, his backyard, so to speak, in his home country, the Netherlands. And he was just like so thrilled that we were that we were here in the Netherlands. Uh, it was it really came through. And, and if someone like him, he's excited, uh, you know, I definitely know that the, uh, you know, more just uh, uh, normal fans are just over the moon about being here. Yeah, and I'll just add one more thing, which is that, like, you know, I think Hearthstone as a as a game that has something for everyone and you know it's a, it's a very it's a broad appeal game like you know obviously competitive competitive hearthstone is you know is a sub community within that and like one thing that i'm really pleased about seeing the, over this past year has been just the 
the momentum of the growth of that sub community within Hearthstone. Um, I think, you know, I think lots of people watch Hearthstone esports uh, just from the broader franchise, but this year, you know, I started to see the emergence of a uh, certain certain sort of sub community that are just, that are very focused on the stories of Hearthstone esports, the players following their their journeys, and also um, you know discussing really specific. Um, you know, breakdowns of uh, matches that have happened and sort of dissecting each of the plays and really analyzing that stuff. I mean, that to me is like, that's, that's, that's what the sport needs, right? That is like, we're, we're building sort of the community for the sport in Hearthstone. And that, seeing that um, foster, you know, seeing that grow this past year has been really amazing. And uh, my, my hope is that 2018 with all of our introductions of new things and doubling down on in some of those areas that we're going to continue to see growth in that community. And, um, you know, and I think live, live events is an important part of it. It certainly is. And uh, the live events thus far have been excellent from this tour. Uh, again, I can't, I can't keep talking about how great the production is, but I do anyway. Uh, I just, it's amazing how far that kind of thing goes. Uh, it's always been a worldly game. It's always been a fun game to watch, but now it's got uh, a new sheen to it and it's uh, going all over the world. So it's an exciting time to be watching Hearthstone. Uh, so I, and it's a very busy time, I'm sure. So I appreciate you guys coming on with me and talking to me about this game, but now I have to let you go, uh, cause you're both very busy with the tournament and with the event. So once more, thank you guys so much for coming on to the show and talking to me about this broadcast. It's been a great one and I'm sure we have some great ones in the near future. So thanks thank again. I am here with some of Hearthstone's uh, developers from Team 5 at Blizzard. Uh, I have here Ben Thompson, the art director, and Dave Kosick, lead missions designer. Folks, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Hello. So, uh, quick, why don't we uh, get a very quick little rundown of what you guys do. Obviously, the names might give us some idea, but uh, <laughs> why don't you guys tell us what you do at Team 5 with Hearthstone? Sure. Okay. Uh, as the art director for Hearthstone, uh, it's my responsibility to make sure that any and all art assets created for and in the game are consistent, uh, not just within a set, but from set to set or expansion to expansion, uh, to make sure that everything always kind of hits those key tenets that we've always had for Hearthstone, the idea of epically charming, whimsical, lighthearted, but always uh, and ever you know, rooted in the world of Azeroth, you know, in Warcraft as a whole. Um, so leading basically a team of uh, 11 artists in that that effort, and it's always a new and interesting challenge with each and every new expansion. Uh, and I'm Dave Kozak. I'm the lead mission designer for Hearthstone. So every Hearthstone expansion has uh, a, a single-player content associated with it, and that's uh, my team's job to put together the single-player content that kind of sells the story of the expansion, the fiction of the expansion, what's going on. So that's things like the uh, the Ice Crown Citadel part of the Knights of the Frozen Throne expansion uh, and the fight with the Lich King. Or this time around, it was the dungeon runs for Kobolds and Catacombs, which we're really proud of. So, Dave, you bring me right to my first question. Uh, it's basically a talk, right to you, man. talking about <laughs> Kobolds and Catacombs Dungeon Run. Uh, this is a very different 
uh, expansion, uh, single player mode to other Hearthstone expansion modes. It's one that's completely different uh, than any before. It in previous expansions, uh, it would feature about ten to fifteen bosses, each designed as a sort of deck building puzzle uh, for players to use to figure out using their own cards. Whereas this uh, mode, uh, players face off against random a random composite of eight, I believe, eight bosses out of forty eight different possible encounters. And uh, players do not need any cards in order to do this. Uh, the previous expansions, normally cards from the expansion are gated behind those bosses. This, you're just playing for the entertainment of the actual bosses and some really absurdly OP abilities, uh, both <laughs> on the boss's side and our side. And it's a lot of really cool experimentation. So I just wanted to ask, what was the genesis of this deviation from Solo Adventures? Uh, what's, what was it you were setting out to achieve with Dungeon Run? Uh, well, one thing we love about Solo Adventures is that they can kind of tell a story. You can have these really cool characters that you meet, and you can really get the, the feel of the expansion. And we thought, uh, uh, the old adventures did a really great job with that. Uh, the only catch was uh, players blasted through them pretty fast. Uh, you know, once you sort of beat a boss, you really didn't have a reason to, to go revisit it. So we asked ourselves, what can we do to make this kind of thing replayable? You know, how can we get a little more value out of the time we spend building these as designers? Uh, and that sort of synced up uh, thematically with this expansion where it was, uh, you know, uh, an expansion about raiding a dungeon and getting, getting lots of treasure and lots of loot. Uh, and we figured out, you know, how do we, how do we present a dungeon in a hearthstone way? And it ended up kind of being, uh, you know, flip through these cards. You never know what you're going to see. You never know what monster is going to be around the corner. But you're going to have to fight it and you're going to get crazy loot. And uh, something that we really like that you hit on was that it's a... Uh, it's kind of a deck building challenge. You don't have to have the cards. We'll present you with options, and you have to figure out how to sort of make the best out of the loot you find in the dungeon, all the cards you gather, uh, make the best deck you can to fight these way overpowered bosses with these overpowered treasures that you find. Um, ended up being really fun. I think we, we see, uh, we've been watching how players respond closely, and uh, a lot of people spending a lot of time on the dungeons. So that's been a, been a success for us. We're really proud of it. It's very cool. Uh, one of the best features of it is definitely just uh, the absurd abilities that uh, show up, whether it be passive abilities, abilities you gain, or the things that the bosses start to do. Uh, it's definitely the most interesting and surprising part of the expansion. That's very uh, cool. So, Wait, I have a question for you now. Did you Have you beat it with all nine classes? I've and not beaten with all nine classes. Okay, the, card right, right. the card back is still uh, woefully out of outside your of my work, reach. Your work is cut out for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I'll have plenty of work to do still after this interview i'll get back to you guys on that right, i've seen right. plenty of the expansion and uh, i definitely not run into all 50 i don't i don't imagine because i've heard that uh well i read that some of these bosses are less uh likely to show up than the okay. others so We've that's uh, super rare encounters in there that uh, uh yeah, yeah you're not going to see very often so that's very cool yeah and those encounters what's extreme what's actually very rewarding about just uh seeing the different characters is uh they're all beautifully rendered and um they all uh not all of them but a lot of them have interactions uh with the actual player uh the most uh menial re reaction is like the rat that almost everyone sees at the beginning and it just squeaks <laughs> at you but then there's others uh like the battle cry boss i'm forgetting now i'll interject and interpret it later but it's uh, a boss that interjects uh, little quips uh, to the cards that you play so I want to 
Battle Cry Jinzo. Thank you. Jinzo, which is, by the way, haven't beaten Jinzo yet. But anyway. Oh, the, oh okay. uh, you can do it. I have faith in you. Yeah, yeah. I, it's just I'm not ready. By the time I've built my deck, I have an idea. And Battle Cry Doubled is just not ready for that. But anyway. The uh, the interactions are very interesting, as they always are in expansions. Uh, with the last expansion, we saw the return back to the Lich King uh, from World of Warcraft, and we saw a lot of interesting interactions there with the characters. So uh, how do you guys uh, go about choosing what kind of interactions you're going to have? What what do you look to? Is it looking directly just to World, World of Warcraft lore and seeing where uh, interactions would happen? Uh, or is it more just being creative and coming up with your own lore and uh, storytelling through these small little uh, quips between characters? It was tricky this time around because with uh, the Frozen Throne, um, then there was a whole lot of lore to draw off of. And also because the boss encounters were fixed and you build your own deck, we kind of had a good idea of the things that a player would try. And so we could, we could um, uh, both have little, little lore tidbits in there as well as um, you're probably going to put this card in your deck, so he's going to respond to it. Like if you play uh, Alex Straza versus the, uh, uh, oh, the first boss, uh, Merogar, uh, he's got a little an Easter egg. Because we figured you'd sure. probably play that card a lot harder with the dungeon run. We have no idea what you're going to have in your deck because you don't even know what you're going to have in your deck. Yeah. Um, so we got to just kind of try to predict what would be fun. So, you know, Battlecry or Jinzo there, he's going to comment every time you play a, a Battlecry minion because he's got, he's got opinions. Uh, that's a lot of fun. Uh, and then we buried some Easter eggs in there. So uh, my favorite, if you haven't seen this yet, definitely try it. Try and play a Wax Rager against Waxmaster Sturmy. That's just comedy. Um, but yeah, we tried to predict some funny things that would happen there. But really, we were just sort of blue-skying what would be really funny to say because we had no idea sure, what was sure. going to come up. That's interesting. Yeah. So there is uh, definitely some World of Warcraft lore uh, embedded in the uh, in the imagery and in the characters used in this. Uh, perhaps a little less than in other games. Although I personally am one of the many players who never played World of Warcraft, never oh. was invested in the actual world, but jumped onto Hearthstone and it became one of our favorite games. So I uh, am interested to every time I hear folks talking about uh, past World of Warcraft games, like Lich King was a very big deal uh, this past year because there was a lot uh, drawn from World of Warcraft and it was kind of messing with the universe, uh, like a different timeline or something where all the heroes die. Uh, so that's very interesting. How do you guys uh, go about well, I guess this is more Ben because it, like you said, how do you go about keeping everything consistent with the lore and did that pose did that bring up any challenges with this expansion or moreover this year? I mean, it's certainly something that's been at the forefront of our mind from basically inception of the game up into each and every expansion, including the ones we're working on now. Um, World of Warcraft being the root for all things Hearthstone, uh, we've always tried to see it as really a jumping off point. It's a really good foundation for most of the stories we try to tell or want to tell. Um, at the same time, we try not to let it feel too um, too specific because we do understand that a lot of our player base does come from outside the world of Warcraft. I mean, there while we do have a good number of people who have played World of Warcraft or even just Warcraft uh, RTS, you know, the real-time strategies, um, at the same time, there's a large percentage of Hearthstone players who don't really know a whole lot about the lore presented there. Uh, and we want them to feel as though they are as welcome into this universe with the 
you know, the jokes that happen there and they can't all be inside jokes. The, you know, the interactions that you were mentioning previously between players are fun when they reference the World of Warcraft of, of our, fa our lore, but um, are equally fun and should be inter equally interesting to the player who knows not why at all. You know, Illidan and Malfurion greet each other with, you know, greetings, brother. You know, that's, that's the kind of stuff that makes you want to find out more and look into it. Um, as we start to dig into what a set is and what it isn't and what makes it fun and what would make it even more so, uh, coming from the World of Warcraft place is always a great place to start. But we've always tried to look at the stories Hearthstone tells as kind of a, you know, a what if. You know, what, what would happen if? These are, these are stories told among you know, members of the tavern or the inn where the game is being played is, gosh, what if, you know, Death Knights were really all of these heroes? Like, that would be, that would be crazy, right? Like, some of the most powerful heroes in Azeroth are turned into Death Knights. Do they abide by the same rules? Do they become this even bigger, badder Death Knight that, you know, we've never even thought of before? Uh, all those kind of what ifs. What if Medivh, you know, threw the greatest party Azeroth has ever known in his his ta in his tower, and it it's disco themed. You know why not? You know these are kind of fun what ifs that make us smile and make us grin while we're creating the stuff for it. And if we're as intrigued and having as much fun and laughing as we are making these you know, these lore choices and story developments, uh, then we believe the the player will have much the same reaction. It's uh, it's super fun to flesh out the World of Warcraft universe. So I mean, you know, Ben, ben can talk to this, but about uh, we took the idea of kobolds that in World of Warcraft are just kind of these these little minions that are really just harassing all the time, and just sort of flesh out what does the whole kobold world look like, and mm -hmm. what's the Hearthstone take on it. That's seen in a lot of the card art, definitely. Uh, I was just looking, leading up to this interview, I was doing my homework, and I was looking through the cards, and I'm seeing a lot of the consistencies in the actual art itself, just generally uh, the kobolds themselves uh, being these uh, semi-dwarven-esque like, little miners that are uh, kind of beaten up and looking, uh, looking a little grungy and stuff, and it's very, very cool stuff. Uh, but uh, going back to kobold uh, itself... Uh, the solo adventure itself is, like you said, it's kind of a randomized uh, dungeon run, and it has a lot of replayability as a result. Uh, how, what kind of challenges came up in designing cards for that or designing abilities for that or just overall uh, creating that mode uh, when everything you've done before has been a very linear and very uh, intentionally designed experience? Uh, yeah, we actually uh, took a lot of baby steps. Uh, we were very timid at first. Like, we sort of had a backup plan. Like, hey, if all else fails, we'll just create a linear, we'll just put these bosses in order and, and do, you know, a traditional adventure. Um, and so first we were like, hey, would it be fun to, to build your own deck as you go? Like, how would that feel? And we put together a very quick prototype to just see. It was like five bosses, and Jaraxxus was the final boss, and uh, it, was, it was almost impossible to win. But it was really fun, and it kind of gave us confidence, like, hey, we can try this. We can start you know, getting some engineers on board and really trying to put this together. Um, it uh, was actually some things that I thought would be difficult ended up being easier, like uh, balancing the bosses for difficulty. I thought would be really hard, but um, ultimately what you end up doing is if a boss is really difficult, you move it to later in the dungeon, and then it works. And if a boss turns out to be really easy, we're like, that's oh, no problem. We'll put him earlier in the dungeon, and we'll make him one of the early ones, and that feels right. Uh, and so that, that turned out not to be a problem. Uh, balancing the treasures was a super interesting challenge because they're all sort of by definition, they're overpowered. Uh, and it's one of the funnest choices you make is you get this loot and it's all good. It's all like immensely game-breaking, powerful. 
uh, but which one do you pick? Um, at, at first, they were all kind of jumbled together, and we discovered that some of them, the ones that we call you know passive treasures that are just sort of always active, uh, those are just way more exciting. So we ended up grouping them together. So you always have a choice between you know passive treasures, and then you always have a choice between active treasures. Um, and then it was a matter of like how many treasures do you get? How many how many feels right? And it's just a matter of just building the dungeon in a bunch of different ways until we figured it out. And eventually, over lots of different trials, we figured out eight bosses felt just about right. Ten was too many. Five was too little. Uh, we found out getting getting the big powerful treasures after every other boss felt really good. You by the end of the game, you had a really powerful deck. Uh, that could fight a really powerful boss, and it felt just about right. Mm -hmm. And you also felt like you got to express your deck. Uh, and that was the other thing we, we found out, is, is sort of how difficult to make it. Um, if you get killed like on the second boss or so, it doesn't feel very fun because you didn't even really get to build a deck. You didn't even get to really see what you could do. Uh, and so it was much more fun if you got to at least get a few fights under your belt. You got to really feel like you were building a deck and you had an opportunity to do something. And so usually around fight four is when, when you sort of pass that threshold. So we sort of tuned the difficulty around that. And um, then we just were like, how difficult do we make it? That was sort of our big final question. And ultimately, we ended up making it, as you can attest to this, it's pretty difficult. It's really hard. And I think that's okay. People you know, really enjoy a challenge in Hearthstone. It's very, very satisfying to beat a dungeon run. So, um, yeah, yeah, it was tricky. It was, we hadn't done anything like it before, so we were kind of experimenting as we went. Yeah, I think a lot of the reason that we got to be that challenging, to Dave's you know, last point there, was because uh, in response to what you brought up earlier on, which was that in the previous missions, we would put cards or content behind uh, you know, the missions themselves. So as you beat three or four bosses, you'd get, you know, a subset of three or four cards. And that's how you would add cards from adventures, you know, the previous adventures to your deck. But now that we didn't have to do that, we got to be more difficult and really make these challenging because it's okay if you don't finish. Uh, you want to finish, but it's okay if you don't because you're not being gated from or kept out of a lot of that content or cards, you know, that you would be in a previous adventure setting. So that is bringing up a, an important part of dungeon runs. Uh, dungeon runs, uh, unlike other things, they don't get off any cards. There's not a lot of rewards. There's rewards once you jump into it. And I know a lot of people have gone over this, and there are stipulation, there are logistical reasons why there's no reward at the end. Uh, but the rewarding part definitely comes in, like uh, Dave said, in the actual process of playing. Uh, every dungeon run I jump into, I'm invested in because I get those first couple wins and I build my deck. So I'm invested in that. Uh, but looking towards the future, uh, this is kind of a very broad question, but thinking about uh, supporting, say, Dungeon Run or possibly moving on to the next thing, what is the plan for uh, you guys? Are you moving on straight to the next thing? Or is Dungeon Run something you'll think about supporting with either more bosses or with loot in the future? What, what kind of things are you considering for the future of either Dungeon Run or the next project? Well, uh, so the mission team is going to continue to develop cool stuff to go with every expansion. And, and thematically, we're going to try and match every expansion. Uh, we're not going to go and keep going back to the dungeon run and adding more stuff to it because it sort of lives in cobalts and catacombs. And so what it is right now is, is what it is. Uh, but that type of gameplay was very cool and players mm -hmm. seem to really like it. So I would not be surprised if future expansions where it makes sense, there's something like Dungeon Run that comes in and maybe plays a little differently or, or has something different going on. But uh, 
uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised uh, because we, we really like how it played out. And now we built the tech to build it. So, you know, we want to make use of that. Um, yeah, so uh, that's, yeah, I can't, unfortunately, I can't really give away any other stuff sure, 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 sure. as, as you'd imagine. But, you know, we watch, we always experiment and we watch this stuff really closely. And I'd say this was a successful experiment because players really enjoyed Dungeon Run and we're seeing a lot of activity. Uh, even now, weeks after launch, people are still playing it and enjoying it. So that's that's really good for us to see that we can build something like that. And ultimately, a lot of the that choice comes down to something that you alluded to previously, which was the idea that I think Dave mentioned, um, that there's a lot of story attached to these. The adventures, and now you know referred to as the mission content of these, the single-player <laughs> content, is our opportunity to tell a lot of these stories. So if we're going to throw a party in you know the greatest you know mage's tower in Azeroth, there's a fun story there that we get to tell through the mission content, or if there are indeed catacombs that are completely, you know, overrun by these kobolds, telling their story comes out best in the dungeon run type of setup. So we'll always look at what is the best storytelling vehicle for that, and if that means it's more dungeon content, if that means the previous kind of, you know, tiered linear content of the, you know, the wings and how those open up over time, or if there's something that we haven't even tried yet and there's some new way to do that. Uh, the mission team is chomping at the bit to try it and try new stuff with it. So we'll always be looking for something new and interesting. At the same time, Hearthstone really is and always has been a very multiplayer experience. It's something where the focus of how these cards that you're amassing build different decks and how you use those to play out other players' decks such as yourselves is always going to be a foundation of this game. Um, so making sure that uh, we are always really responsive to that side of Hearthstone and really looking at how we keep that as fresh and as, as interesting as possible is really the goal. So looking towards the future, looking towards the future for uh, the expansions and uh, card designs, things like that, uh, where there's always going to be this uh, question of, do we World of Warcraft, do we not World of Warcraft? Do we continue with the story? And uh, so, so far it sounds like, from what you guys say, that it's kind of the uh, dance of tiptoeing between uh, new stuff that's interesting and uh, does a twist on, on World of Warcraft, but still staying true to that IP. What's the current goal for you guys right now? Is it to try and mess around with those uh, themes, or is it to push towards something new, or is, what do you guys lean towards one or more? What's the main goal for pushing forward as a World of Warcraft quasi-IP? So World of Warcraft was chosen as the world for this early on, you know, in the earliest days of the team because of the breadth that that world has to offer when it comes to story, when it comes to character development, when it comes to all these things. There's so many different sides of it. Not only that, but there's so many different themes that are really gone through in Warcraft. If you look at the epic to the, you know, the little bit more medium serious to the totally tongue-in-cheek silly, it's all there. Um, so that world was chosen really for the scale of all of those different things. We will always want to look to try to add our own spin and personality to things because the team itself does have a lot of personality and hence the game itself you know, comes with a little bit of that personality built into it. So we'll always look to try to put new and delightfully surprising things into the game. But it's almost always going to be with the backdrop of Azeroth and World of Warcraft as a whole uh, that informs that and really gives us the excuse, if you will, to tell some of these stories in such a, a neat and compelling way. 
Yeah, it's um, we, we love to surprise people, and uh, the Warcraft franchise gives us an opportunity to do that. You know, we went from uh, the Frozen Throne, uh, one of the darkest and, and, and this, this you know, scary chapter of, of Death Knights uh, tromping across Azeroth, to Kobolds. Like, we, had, we went through the full the full gamut, and that's, that's the fun part for us, is just kind of always mixing it up, and this franchise allows us to do that. Okay, fair enough. So uh, we're running close to our time, but I do have I have so many more questions. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's talk about real quick uh, developing the actual uh, dungeon run. Uh, we've or or even just kobolds in general, but a dungeon run specifically. Uh, with every expansion that's come out, I've heard an interview here or there uh, talking about some prototypes that uh, were thrown away or that the team just couldn't make work because it was too overpowered or it was too messy. And in dungeon run, it everything's overpowered and messy because it's single player and you can just do what you want, I assume. So uh, I'm curious if there was anything that didn't make the cut that like sticks out in your, in your, your minds. Uh, was there any prototypes that uh, you worked with that uh, didn't make it into the final cut of dungeon run or in just Cobalt's and catacombs expansion in general? Uh, yeah, let's see. Um, for the dungeon one specifically, uh, we we cut out all the stuff that just didn't work, and actually, you sort of get the best the best version of the dungeon run there. Like I said, we tried shorter runs, longer runs, not, nothing nothing really worked. Some of the um, uh, stuff we left in is really fun. The, the cloak of invisibility. I think I've told this story before. The cloak of invisibility gives all your minions permanent stealth. It's actually it's actually it was a bug. Like we originally, it was supposed to be all your minions come into play with stealth, but then it behaves normally. It was actually bugged so that they were always stealthy all the time. But man, that was so much fun. Then we just left it in. It was so like game breaking, but so fun. We left it in. Um, I love I love that story. Um, let's see. And and as for the set itself, one interesting thing was the uh, we ultimately settled on unidentified items as a mechanic, and these are cards that. Uh, have uh, you know like five different four or five different possible effects, and until you draw the card, you don't know what the additional effect is going to be. Originally, the design team had this super complicated system. It was a little more like the loot system in Diablo, where there'd be a prefix and a suffix for every single item, and it was crazy the number of like generative cards that that would create. Um, it wasn't very fun, actually. It sounds like it'd be cool. It really isn't. You're like, what does this card do? What am I doing? What's going on? Um, so we kind of boiled that down to what we thought was the most the most entertaining and, and uh, picked the most fun cards, and that actually works really well now. But we really did experiment a lot. Every time we do an expansion, we experiment quite a bit. And from an art perspective, I'd say there was some things that we ended up coming with early in concepts to talk about different creature types and things that you'd run into really with the goal of like, how do we make this feel like the old classic fantasy dungeon crawl as much as possible? Um, and I mean, we jokingly referred to this uh, at BlizzCon, but it actually, I mean, the reason it was on the slide is you get the Pepe bear, you know, this the Pepe cross with a Pepe and like a, a bear type creature that you'd find in there. And I mean, as much as we say, we're really rooted in wow and we're based on wow, like there's some places you just, it, they're too dark a tunnel. You know, you don't want to go down the hole where we get pepper bears. That creature in nobody, there, that's no good for anybody. So we, there are some places where we do get, you know, off the beaten path, but in a way that would totally work for WoW if you just did it. And yet it just doesn't feel right. So there's some things that certainly showed up in there that were too much the old school fantasy dungeon crawl or too, you know, that's just so wow and makes sense. And yet it just doesn't feel like it has a home in this set. So we tried to tread the line between those pretty evenly. 
what's something that doesn't feel home? Like what, is, what are the uh, requirements that some, that a character or just a, a general uh, art piece needs to fulfill in order to um, make it into a specific expansion? I mean, if you look at the things that find their way into Warcraft, those are typically things that you could easily kind of tweak them to 20 degrees to get them over into Hearthstone. But if you look at something that's just super, super generic fantasy, um, like a, I don't know, like a Kokil or whatever you want to call them. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. But basically the, you know, the, the Hydra snake with wings. That's got a lot of ties to something like mythology. And there's certainly like a lot of ties to be they different legends of old and different uh you know, different creeds and stuff like that. However, it has become so baseline like fantasy and the lines are blurred as to like who even owns that mythology and where does that come from? It's better if we can somehow turn that on its head and make it feel very World of Warcraft, even though, yeah, that's kind of a callback to that old fantasy thing, but this has a super cool spin on it. I definitely see this existing in World of Warcraft, even if with a little more digging, I realize, oh, gosh, I could totally run into that in like a Greek, you know, maze dungeon. Uh, we had the Minitor was one that felt really kind of fun. Mini, Minitor. Minitor. Yeah. It was a little Minitor, and it was like Minitor. a tiny little Torin. And he was yeah, called the right. Minitorin. Yeah. And he was yeah. fun and cute. And who knows? Maybe he'll show up in some future thing. It felt like a bridge too far in this case because it was like... I mean, that's that's acknowledging like a lot of hardcore Greek mythology in this case. That yeah. feels like a slight too many degrees off of Warcraft. Do we want to? Eh? And we went back and forth and just decided, let's let's call it for now. Let's let's stick with what we got because we really like those things. That's not to say who knows. I mean, it may show up at some point. I know we'd make a cool plushie, so who knows? Yes, always could use more plushies. <laughs> well, we'll we'll be on the lookout for the mini Torin and for other art uh, possibilities in the future. Uh, I'm very excited to see the next. Uh, after Cobalt's uh, and Dun- Cobalt's and Catacombs dungeon run, I'm excited to see what the next solo adventure brings because uh, this was definitely uh, out of left field thing for Hearthstone. Uh, it was. It's always nice to see those uh, those bosses that line of bosses that I need to beat. But it w- it was, was nice to completely change up the format, and it makes me excited for what comes next, uh, and in general, whatever comes next for Hearthstone. Uh, gentlemen, I'm not going to take any more of your time. I appreciate you coming on and, uh, we got to get you on more, talk about more general Hearthstone. I want to hear more about just the, the stories that have come across and, uh, the story is still to be told. Anytime. Uh, That was super fun. Awesome. All right. Well, thank thank you you again. Yeah, man, please come on again. Any old time. And, uh, that is it for now listeners thank you so much this was again ben thompson and dave kosak of hearthstone thank you man thanks Joe. thanks again for listening to our show if you'd like to hear more episodes please subscribe to itunes podcast or soundcloud and please check out more of our content at gamingtrend.com you can follow me on twitter at joey dagabonis (laughs) 